Hello, listener. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 68. How's it going on? How's your quarantine life? It's day 91 here. Holding up okay, all things considered. The world's going to pieces. Uh, you know, all right, that's a good place to start. Uh, we, when, when I started this, <laughs> we, like I'm going to use the royal we. There's nobody involved in this but me. Who are we kidding? I'm not Mark Marin. I don't have a podcast producer or an ad sales staff. That's why I love doing this. It's the exact opposite of my day job. Anyway, when I started this, I I, I like, uh, it's a little bit of an art project, right? And I kind of like talking about nothing in the sense that I talk about things that are sort of, whoa, oh, I didn't know I could do that. That's exciting. One of the faders on my keyboard controller is mapped to reverb so I can go and make my voice all reverby. We won't be doing that. I apologize. Anyway, uh, you know, it was like the whole conceit of this podcast is to like talk about pedantic, obscure things that are interesting to me that I, as a content consumer, can't get a lot of content in the world, right? Like uh, sort of weird photo organization insanity or my archiving habits. Uh, you know, there's like the Reddit digital hoarders board, but I like to think mine's curated. So it's a little bit different, you know, or, or the stuff going on in the house here in my County. Like there's a, you know, it's actually funny. Like in the year or two, I've been doing this. There was almost no news reporting in the County back then, but now we have two very good newspapers in the County. So that's changed a little bit. But really, like, uh, it was an exercise in obscure topics. And so one of the things I decided at the time was that I was not, I would not talk about politics very much. This has been uh, very difficult, to say the least, in the last few years. And as you know, I often fail. So then I had this conceit back when I was watching MSNBC all the time that I would only talk about politics briefly in the part of the podcast where I was talking about television and my MSNBC watching. And that kind of worked. I could talk about like the, you know, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and things like that in that part. But, um, I don't really watch MSNBC anymore. And not because like, uh, you know, like the right or the, the left wing, uh, uh, anger at MSNBC for corporate media. I think by and large, there are some good people there that try and do a pretty good job. At least, you know, Chris Hayes and, Rachel Maddow, Chris Matthews, poor guy, is just an old fuck and had to go. I, I got no problem with that. But anyway, I don't really want to talk about MSNBC. My point is, is like once that went away, I didn't really talk about politics much. And, uh, you know, so then meanwhile, um, my friends Noah Breyer and Colin Nagy have a very interesting newsletter called Why Is This Interesting? And I contributed to it about six months ago. And one of the things you do is if you're a contributor to this uh, newsletter is that there's a Slack for all the contributors. And it's actually really great. I mean, this Slack, I'm not really like a join a bunch of community Slacks kind of guy. I tried it at the beginning with New York tech stuff and I wasn't really into it. But uh, this is a pretty good group of people and they're all pretty smart. And witty, as we call it, W-I-T-I, Why Is This Interesting, witty, uh, has a, also has a no politics rule. And so the first draft of uh, the first topic I tried to write about for why is this interesting? Like, uh, 
eight months ago was a piece on public authorities. As you know, I'm very obsessed with public authorities and I have read several books on public authorities and different public authorities and the New York, you know, the port authority and, uh, you know, uh, Robert Moses, of course, but also empire of the Hudson by James Toig and, uh, the people's business as you know, you've heard about these things long time listeners of the podcast. So my point is, is I was writing a, you know, sort of what I've learned about this deep dive into an obscure realm of social sciences and research uh, with public authorities. And uh, no one called it and rejected it because they said it was political. And I thought that was really interesting because it was kind of political in the sense that I wrote about how both Republicans and Democrats like public authorities and they use them so like uh, Republicans can get public works projects while claiming they reduce the public budget. Democrats can get public works projects while we're claiming they reduce the budget. And, uh, you know, they said it was it was political. And it kind of irked me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And uh, I thought about rewriting it, you know, but we moved on. There's something else they wanted me to write about. So I wrote about that instead. And uh, I kind of forgot about it. And so as all this stuff has been happening this week and these several weeks or months now, it's been uh, increasingly difficult in the witty slack to not talk about politics. And now this week, of course, it just wheels went off. Everybody's talking about politics constantly in there. And I think like maybe there's some pent up stuff, but, uh, you know, I kind of like, I was a little annoyed about the no politics rule because politics and thinking about politics and, and, and society and, and things is a big part of my brain power. And I think about it all the time and I, I, I consider myself fairly active and uh, then I was thinking about my own podcast and I'm like, well, why don't you really talk about politics that much? And, and I think when I did it, when I started, it was kind of like the same sort of logic that Noah did. Well, that's just not, you know, I'm not really an expert. I don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself passionate and I consider myself engaged, but I don't consider myself an expert. So, you know, I, and there's a lot of political podcasts out there and I just didn't really feel like it was worth doing. But I think that like, you know, I kind of blurred the line between not doing a political podcast, which I have no interest in doing and not really and avoiding politics in my podcast. And, uh, you know, now we're here, I'm, I'm 70 episodes in and we have talked about politics several times throughout these episodes and it's generally gone pretty well. One of the things I like about podcasts is it's very hard to troll. Uh, I was very scarred after the election, uh, the 2016 presidential election, because Facebook got to get very contentious among my friends. Uh, you know, some Trump versus Hillary kind of stuff, but a lot more just sort of internecine fighting on the left between Hillary supporters and Bernie supporters. And, you know, I just didn't really like it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy fighting with friends. I didn't enjoy arguing with friends. Some friends have a harder time than others, not taking it personally. Some friends just like arguing for the sake of arguing. It was unpleasant. And so I was pretty scarred by that when I started this podcast. And so I think I... That reinforced my no politics rule. Uh, and, you know, even now, so, you know, what I should do now is I'll state the obvious that I think about this stuff all the time. The events of the last week have been intense and harrowing, but also incredibly hopeful. And uh, I generally, <laughs> generally, uh, you know, the, the tragedies that have sparked this outrage are beyond reprehensible, but I am hopeful and proud of the nationwide response that has come out from these things. I'm from these protests for over a week of protests. Now I'm, I'm just so proud. I'm so impressed. I'm so excited. Uh, I, I think there's an opportunity for some real improvement here and you know, it's taken up a lot of my time. So it would feel very sort of 
dishonest to just go through this whole podcast without talking about these things. Uh, you know, like I'm not really viewing this as sort of a, I need to say a thing kind of thing, right? Like, I think it goes without saying that black lives matter. I have said and been tweeting this for ages. I'm also very much not a person that likes to talk about what they do in support of causes. I find that sort of, um, you know, it's maybe not my wheelhouse. Like I, I do believe I, I'm like, I have a big platform in on Twitter. I have, you know, over 10,000 followers thanks to some weird <laughs> random shit back in the day. But, uh, so I, you know, I feel very strongly that that platform is to be used to support other voices. And I do that, but I don't think it's about me talking about what I'm doing or what, you know, I think because I'm just another person. And this is, you know, I'm very privileged. I'm wealthy. I live in the middle of nowhere in a very safe place in a large, comfortable house. And this is not my fight. I have understood this, this injustice for my entire life. I am very, very thankful that both my parents were very politically active in a lifetime of service. Uh, I should clarify. My mom was very politically active. My dad was a lifetime of service and charity work, you know? And so, I mean, some of my earliest memories are folding campaign literature and stuffing envelopes for liberal candidates in deep red Alaska, things like that, you know, and charitable giving was a big part of our life growing up. And I have extended that into my adult life. And, you know, I just don't feel comfortable talking about that stuff. But I do think that like with the, with the audience I have, it is sort of my role to, to amplify other voices. And it's very difficult in the podcast because I'm just sitting here alone <laughs> And, you know, there are far less of you that listen to the podcast than follow me on Twitter. And I think generally speaking, you know me and you know where I stand. So, but I do think that like, perhaps I am going to sort of talk a little bit more about politics from here on out. It kind of even angers me to frame this as a political discussion, but I've been thinking a lot about like why I speak and why I don't speak. And when I realized how frustrated I was with the witty for not being with the witty slack for not being, uh, having political talk. I, you know, looked at myself and looked at my podcast and thought to myself, maybe I should, uh, speak up about these things as well. Anyway, it's been very frustrating because I really want to go to marches and I, there's a few obstacles. Of course, I live with an at-risk woman who my mother-in-law who is, you know, has got lifelong lung issues and she's older. I have a baby to take care of. But one of the big things is that like, I can't figure out when they happen. There was one in Chapel Hill yesterday and I wanted to go, but like, then I read this radical UNC black students Twitter and they said, don't go because it was in league with the police. But then later on, I realized that they just meant that they filed a parade route and that the police would know about it. And so I totally messed that up and I feel awful. Uh, it's hard to get good information about when these marches happen. And that's really weird because I'm on a ton of activists, like Facebook, Twitter, like I follow so many different, you know, political things down here and I still they're just spontaneous and out of the blue which is very inspiring but very hard to take part in when you live in the middle of nowhere i was on a slack call with my coworkers, and one of them lived on bedford avenue he's like i gotta go there's a march downstairs i'm like oh my god that'd be so nice i could just go outside and go to the march i would rule i wouldn't have to figure out what to do with the baby i wouldn't have to figure out what you know like uh, it's I, I feel a deep sense of shame that i haven't gone and i need to do more about it i read a funny uh tweet from a black activist that was like, I don't want to hear about your shame. Just go do stuff and talk about it. Talk to him about, talk about it in your journal. So I have been doing that instead mainly, but I, I do do new acknowledge to you as well that I feel like I should be doing more. Uh, the, the use of Twitter and Facebook to talk about this stuff to audiences that may not get it. And, uh, I have of course been donating as I have my entire life 
uh, has been great. If you're curious about this stuff, if you are interested in donating, uh, you know, find a good cause, let me know. I will match it. I'm going to do more. And uh, I encourage you to do the same. If you're looking for some places to donate, hit me up. I'll send you some links. But uh, yeah, it's a crazy time in America. It's it's going to be <laughs> 2020 is one for the history books, man. Quarantine, Great Depression, and the Civil Rights Movement all in one. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, well, there's no really good way to <laughs> change the subject for that. Maybe I thought about taking a week off, but I don't feel good about that. Like, I think that people that are just sort of stopping their things to start back up and go back to normal is kind of awkward. I don't think there is going to be a new nor. I don't think there's going to be a normal. I don't think we're going back to normal after this, at least not through the election. This is going to be our life Our life. This is going to be a long summer, a long summer of activism in politics. So we just have to keep going on with the rest of our lives as well. Um, Again, I'll take a moment and acknowledge my privilege uh, that I can take a moment. I can take mental health days. But that's a whole other thing, by the way. I am a white guy with temper issues. <laughs> I've had temper issues my whole life. And uh, I've worked very, very hard to not have temper issues and not be a toxic white man with temper issues. And uh, that involves taking mental health time, which is a huge privilege. But I feel like it's also a necessary thing to do because it, what keeps me from bleeding into toxic masculinity is, is you know, I hate to use the word, but self-care, right? I take care of myself. I, I try to be healthy. I try not to drink too much. I try to like get a little exercise. I try to take breaks. I try to take mental health breaks. All the weird tasks and, you know little stupid projects I talk about in this podcast, half of them are there. They're like my Zen rock gardens, you know, they're there. They exist archiving. It exists to calm my mind, to, to keep me from getting angry about nothing, to keep me from making poor decisions that are so incumbent with rich white men in the world. <laughs> so I have to do these things to keep me from making worse. But at the same time, I need to acknowledge that the, the, the freedom and space to do these things is something a lot of people don't have. It's not like I'm flying around in private jets. I'm just like, you know, fixing up the home network or scan, ripping some CDs. These are not extraordinarily 1% problems, but they are, you know, the 10% hobbies right so anyway acknowledging all that no real way to turn the page here without any of that uh i'm just gonna do it so <laughs> yeah so i've been uh, working on reorganizing my server and this time i'm talking like the physical server so to recap a couple weeks ago i got another expansion bay on my qnap god i feel so dumb talking about this stuff but i'm just gonna do it uh so the, you know a 10 terabyte cold storage part of the server now where em and i are just keeping large files that we need to save and uh now you know when we bought the house there's this like four foot tall it 19 inch rack in in the box room in the utility room and it only had one thing in it. It had the XM radio receiver home audio amplifier. And then it was just this empty rack. Sorry, I had to take a pause there. I had a little wheeze in my throat. The allergies, man. My friend Sean says, like, let's play the game. Do we have coronavirus or allergies? It's really stressful. I even had, like, a, I had a really bad cough a couple days ago. And I was convinced I got the coronavirus yet again. 
anyway, so uh, this thing had this giant empty rack, and it says we've been putting stuff and redoing the IT in the house. There's now on top of the rack, there is a UPS uninterruptible power supply, the QNAP, the two expansion bays for the QNAP, and a 24-port gigabit Ethernet switch. It's all just sitting on top of the rack instead of in the rack. So finally, I uh, oh, and then the other problem is that the rack it's right up against the wall and all the ethernet cables are coming out of the wall to go to the various ethernet ports in the house and they don't have enough slack. So you can't pull the rack forward to get behind it. It's on wheels, but you can't pull it because the cords were there. So I finally, I bought like 24 little ethernet couplers and 24, six foot ethernet cables. And I extended all the cables into the rack and tied them all up into one big thing. And now I've got new rack shelves that came today. And so I can put everything that's on top of the rack, the QNAP, the UPS, the ethernet switch in the rack and all the cables is like nicely organized, going away from the rack to the wall. And it's going to be awesome. So that's my, that's my project for the day. It's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I did spend most of the week working on the server expansion. It was really a pain in the ass. I moved my barbarian archive. I have like a pretty complete archive of all the work that the barbarian group did. Uh, I shouldn't say that publicly cause I'm sure there was some NDA since I signed somewhere said I wouldn't have it, but it's too late now. And I copied it over to the dark, the cold storage server from a hard drive, a three terabyte hard drive that's been attached to my computer that's been really slowing down my computer because it's a solid state hard drive and every time you do a spotlight search or something it was it would spin up and it was really annoying and then Emma had the same problem and finally we decided to bite the bullet and spend the extra money. It wasn't that bad as like $500 for the whole thing. I mean it sucked but you know it's done. Uh, but you know, copying over these millions of files on the barbarian server was just nightmarish and it kept crashing and all these, you know, invisible files, volume settings, folder, DS store, spotlight settings, all that stuff. And so finally I switched over to carbon copy cloner to copy everything over and that worked a lot better. I had used that a lot in the old days, but I hadn't used it in years. That's great. I moved over all the source files for the defective frequency album, and I moved over all my old user folders. I keep a DMG file of every computer's user folder when I'm done with that computer. They've all been up on Dropbox, but not on my computer because there wasn't enough space on the internal computer. Now they're all in cold storage. All my email all the way back to like 1992 or something like that is insane. 94, I think. Um... Yeah, so that's all done. It's pretty exciting. Got all that done, uh, and now I'm going to reorganize the physical server, and I think that should be the end of the server stuff for quite a while. Pretty exciting. The garden is going great. Uh, it's really, you know, it's really blooming. We had a week of warm rain, and everything just exploded in the garden, and it's awesome. There's like, I have like 15 tomato plants now. I have 10 different pepper plants, three cucumbers, seven or eight and nine snow pea plants, uh, parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme, chives. It's amazing. It's just going great and jane's learning each plant she just goes that's a chive that's a basil oh yeah basil thai basil two varietals of thai basil and sweet basil um yeah it's been really really satisfying i did friday i took off friday you know we give two personal days a month at time hop work to people during the pandemic to take off because nobody's taking any vacation time and i want people healthy and I use that to garden, which is like a perfect thing to do on a personal day. And it was just like, oh, my God, I feel like this is a different life. It was amazing. Oh, it made me so happy, yeah, especially in this time of misery. Yeah. Uh, and then on Thursday, we had a socially distanced gathering in the neighborhood. It was kind of nice. So we was up at the cul-de-sac to recap my street. My neighborhood is one street. It's a half mile long, 22 houses, 22 lots, 21 houses. And uh, it ends at a cul-de-sac. And Amber, who lives at the cul-de-sac, she's moving away. It's very sad. But she organized this. It's the second one. And we all went down there. Emma had to work. She, Emma's got a lot of work lately. She's doing a bunch of work for the launch of a streaming service. So that's good. It's good to get some money in the house. 
And, uh, but she had to work. So I just took Jane by myself. First time I took Jane on a walk in the neighborhood without Emma, I thought it was going to go terribly well, badly, but it went really well. And Jane had a really good time at the socially distanced gathering. She's good. She understands not to touch people, but she gets like two, three feet away and everybody has to back up and I have to like go get her. That's kind of annoying, but all in all, it went pretty well. It was good to see everyone. Uh, I like a lot of my neighbors, you know, some people don't show up and then some of them I don't really know very well, but over half the neighborhood shows up to these things and it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and Jane is doing pretty well. She's very, very obsessed with uh, throwing brown bear across the room and making me go get brown bear. Uh, I did two bedtimes this week because Emma's been working, and so I'm trying to cover, you know, like... Emma's work is in television, and so right when the quarantine happened, she had a little brief burst right at the beginning, but as they pushed out a few shows unexpectedly, but since then, it's been obviously like about half her work has been gone, and so the whole time we've been in quarantine, she's had a reduced work, so it's been kind of convenient, right? We have extra help around the house for Jane and things like that, but now she's back up to full amounts of work and even a little bit into overtime levels with a burst of work here, and so like we're, you know, me and Janet have to really pitch in more with Jane, and uh, uh, yeah, Jane is not really super loving bedtime lately. The first one went great. If I do bedtime like every two weeks, she's the novelty of me doing bedtime is uh, so like profound to her that she just like is super nice the whole night and it's really easy. To clarify, the other nights we both do bedtime together. Emma does the bulk of it, but I do like 30% each night. And then, you know, every once in a while I do a whole one myself and give Emma the night off. But if I do two, I did so I did Thursday and Friday this week. Yeah, by the second night, no quarter, man. She's like, she's like, just so horrible to me. She was so horrible. It was so bad. But other than that, she's been doing really well. She's learning civilization. She's going to be an esports gamer, I think. She, uh, you know, I watch those live streams of civilization in the morning and she's learned like scouts and warriors and phalanxes and spearmen and slingers and cities and production and food. And it's pretty cute. She's really into that. Uh, she's just talking more and more every day. It still has communication problems and they are, it's funny cause they're fewer and far between, but they get her more frustrated now because she's used to being able to communicate. So when she can't, you gotta be really patient. And then you teach her some words. Like we hadn't taught her knee yet. It was weird. She knew foot, she knew leg, she didn't know knee. And she wanted me to raise my knee up because she's been planking on my knee lately. That's another one of her morning games playing some of my knee and uh you know she didn't know knee and she was just crying i was like oh she means knee and so i was like this is a knee and she's like knee and then from then on she'd be like knee up and she was so much happier and i was like okay that's one like communication obstacle that's out of the way and it's been nice it's been nice i figured out brown bear was a whole problem last week because she would two weeks ago she would throw a brown bear and then scream if i went to get brown bear she'd scream and say jane do it if i was like waited for her to do it she didn't do it i finally figured out what was going on she wanted me to pick her up walk her over bend over dip her and let her pick up brown bear and the first time I did it, she was so happy. She was just like, oh, my God. You could tell she was so relieved that she like had communicated successfully to me. But now she makes me do this dozens of times. One morning, I spent an entire morning, an hour long, just walking around the, the basement. And she'd throw a brown bear. We'd walk over. I'd dip her. You know, she's weighing almost 30 pounds now. And then, like, she'd pick up brown bear, come back up, laugh, and throw her, throw a brown bear again. I was like, oh, my God, this is so fantastic. But, you know, it's fun. I love my daughter. She's pretty awesome. Media projects. Uh, so we're doing the CDs. Like we said, we got through all the ones I made. We're about halfway through the mixed CDs of other people. I think there's going to be about 50 CDs, maybe a little more by the end. So, you know, it's going well. Um, I'm about to do a two CD set that John Whitney of brainwashed fame made for me on my 30th birthday. So that is going to be, uh, that's going to be a good one, man. That's going to be, that's going to be some good stuff. And, uh, I've been enjoying it. Yeah. And then, you know, I write these long posts on Facebook each day. Uh, right away. <laughs> 
after George Floyd, even I think that that day or the next day, even before the protests really got going, I was writing about it in there and that, you know, there's like 2000, I have like 2000 friends of Facebook and a a lot of them are agency people I knew through the years. And on like a lot of them are like Alaskans and people I grew up and knew growing up and family friends. And so I feel like that's a place you really got to talk about. You got to talk about politics head on and, and stay, you know, you get these people seeing different opinions. I don't know how many people have follow me or anything, or read these things or anything like that, but I figure that's, that's a thing I need to be doing. And I just enjoy these posts better when there's a mix at the end of them. I did that 10 albums meme in between the cassettes and the CDs and I hated it. I don't like the 10 albums that change your life meme. It's too much work to pick 10 albums. I don't like that at all. I like a mix. It's 20 different bands a day. I can really talk about the whole wide world of music that way. It's been a lot better. Uh, haven't been ripping a lot of Blu-rays from or 4k Blu-rays from Walmart because it's just been picked over. There's been nothing new in days. There's no new movies coming out. It's just like, it's dead there. So I have been doing the, the Netflix stuff. Got Snowpiercer up there and Gandhi and the crow is coming this week. That'll be very exciting. Uh, so, uh, you know, in the server reorg last week, I temporarily knocked Plex offline and had to rebuild the libraries because I was helping my friend Annie set up her Plex and I was walking her through it and I uninstalled Plex and I didn't realize if you uninstall Plex, it removes the database. I do have the database backed up, but it's this complicated command line interface and the backups at the storage unit. I just didn't care that much. And I was just like, I'll just manually rebuild it. So I did. So Plex was offline for a couple of days there, but it's back. So if you, uh, you want to see some movies, hit me up, man. You can, you can watch some cool Plex movies. Uh, and then let's see vinyl, got some new vinyl in the mail, not tons. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm going out of order. Uh, the, yeah, the, the, the family stuff. So, okay. I got back the labels from my mom and my sister and my uncle skip for everybody from those family photos that I had gotten scanned from Kodak. So the next step there is to rename them all. I'll probably do that this week. You know, the photos right now are like Alaska web family scans 2020. And then I'll like keep that, but I'll also put the name, you know, Kathy 1948 and Wasilla, that sort of thing. Uh, some amazing photos of my grandfather when he was stationed in Panama, working on the Panama canal, uh, some amazing photos, early Wasilla history photos of the historic buildings of was school and Wasilla, the one room schoolhouse, Teelan's general store, like my, my, the cabin, my mom lived in before the homestead, just amazing stuff. And it's all been labeled skip. My mom's brother was really helpful because he's like four years older than her. So he could remember things that like, I have a lot of baby photos of my mom. Right. But she doesn't know where she was necessarily. So skip helped a lot with that. That was really great. So then Skip wrote me and he's like, Hey man, I am like sort of the Coglin family archivist. My mom is a Coglin. That's her maiden name. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I think you should take up the cause. I think that like, I will pass the generational baton to you. Here's the stuff I have, like of your grandfather's writings and stuff like this. My grandfather was a very prolific writer. He was publishing like the Saturday evening post and Harper's Bazaar, things like that out of Wasilla wrote a lot of like, uh, you know, his best known story is called backward boy. If you want to look it up by Gene Coughlin. And that was published in, I think, the New Yorker, maybe Harper's. But uh, uh, anyway, Skip has a lot of his archives, his letters and things like that. And he's got a bunch of photos. And I think I get the sense his his daughters aren't really that into it because, you know, he moved out. They don't really consider themselves Alaskans. They grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up in Alaska, right? So uh, he's passing it all on to me. So I will be expecting a package from Skip and start going through that stuff. Uh, and then Jack, my dad's brother, same thing. We've been in touch a lot lately, you know, trying to figure out my dad's funeral and stuff like that. And he'll be sending me a lot of his uh, photos as well. So I guess I'm just like the archivist on both sides of the family now. It's a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work, but I'm up for it. I am ready. 
Music. Uh, I sold four things on Discogs this week. I sold Lloyd Cole and the Commotion's Rattlesnakes CD, which, uh, you know, great record. Already owned it on vinyl. Obsessed with Lloyd Cole. He's pretty good on Twitter. Uh, one ill-timed golfing tweet this week that I thought was sort of inappropriate, but he uh, mostly, you know, he, he's he's socially aware. He's tweeting good stuff about, about the politics. Uh, then I sold the Truman's Water CD, Spasm Smash, XXXOXOX, Ox and Ass. Uh, I don't know if you know this record. I don't know if you know Truman's Water. They're a fantastic band obscure, noisy, western mass sort of indie rock thing. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was at uh, Babies Are Right in Brooklyn uh, watching Sebado. Was it Sebado or was it Lou Barlow Sebado? I think it was Sebado. Yeah, it was Sebado. And there's this awesome band opening for them. And I was like, my God, this band's amazing. And uh, Lou Barlow gets back on stage. He's like, well, that band great. I, I could look up their name. I don't remember it. Uh, and he's like, that's the old guys from Truman's Water. And I was like, oh my God, they have another band. Uh, and I did listen to a bunch of stuff and started the tracks, but the name's escaping me at a moment now. But big Truman, Truman's Water fan. Uh, and then I sold the Dramarama CD I bought two weeks ago. Everybody dies that I bought for a dollar. I ripped it and listened to it. Somebody else out there must have realized when there's a new Dramarama album out that they had an album they didn't even know about. And they did the same thing I did. They went to Discogs to buy it and they found the copy I had just bought and they bought it for me so that cd has been shipped on i owned it for a total of two weeks <laughs> i feel pretty great about that uh drama rama it was a great record everybody dies and then uh i saw the think tree album think tree were a 90s boston industrial sort of gothy band they were great. I was obsessed with them. When I first got to Boston, I met a girl named Jen Bowes, and she was from Providence, and she was cooler than me, and she was more into, like, she knew more about, like, sort of music in that realm than I did, especially sort of East Coast local punk and goth and industrial and stuff. So very early on, I think, like, October, maybe November of 1990, right after I got to BU, she's like, let's go see Think Tree. And we did, and they were great, and I loved them. Very theatrical, and... Uh, uh, somewhere along the line, I got a copy of their first EP 813 autographed. <laughs> I don't remember it. It's inscribed to me. Everything was inscribed to me in it. Uh, I've since met a couple of the people in the band and like, we have a lot of mutual friends now and they still you know, are active in Boston, the music scene and stuff like that. And, um, but I sold this to a guy in Harvard Square in Boston, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is autographed, but it's all inscribed to me. So when he's like, yeah, I'll take it. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, but, you know, I listened to that again, and they, they signed, they famously got signed to Caroline Records because Trent Reznor heard them in a Burger King and decided when he was working at Burger King, maybe something like that, and he decided he would sign them. So it was before he had nothing records, unfortunately, but he got them signed, and they put out a second album, or a first full length. A13 is really an EP. Uh, and, uh, then they kind of disbanded, which was a little sad that album didn't really take off, but, uh, I really like Think Tree, uh, especially that EP. It's great. I already have the vinyl. I have all the, th all the Think Tree and vinyl. I've been sort of slowly collecting it through the years. So I didn't really care if I sold it. It was inscribed to me, but whatever. I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have sold that. I might regret that. Uh, I got some new vinyl in the mail. I got the Angel Olsen first album, Halfway Home, repressed on clear vinyl, along with a 12-inch, the first, first single. Uh, that was great. I, hadn't, I have all the other Angel Olsen albums, but I didn't have the first one, so I got that. Sonic Boom from Spaceman 3 finally has a new album. The first new solo Sonic Boom album in over a decade, and it's called All Things Being Equal. It isn't officially out till this week, I think, but it, you know, I bought the vinyl and it shipped. Uh, I really like it. Uh, you know, I don't like it as much as, uh, you know, Soul Kiss Glide Divine or uh, I guess I like it as much as Highs, Lows and Heavenly Blows. Uh, Sonic Boom Spectrum, the first one, is still my favorite. But this is a good record. It's, it's you know, it's like it's songs. It has lyrics. It's not his like experimental audio research kind of thing. It's very droney and a little bit more electronic than Spectrum usually was. But uh, it's got a lot of guitar, too. It's it's mellow. 
you know, droney doesn't have to be mellow, but this is mellow droney, but, uh, I'm into it. Uh, yeah, I recommend it. All things being equal by Sonic Boom should be, uh, there's like three singles from it are already up in Spotify if the album's not, uh, and the magnetic fields quickies. I bought the seven inch box set of the album from merge. I already listened to the album last week. We talked about it, but the seven inch just arrived yesterday. So I haven't really listened to the vinyl version of it yet. And then finally, on my Mary Margaret O'Hara kick, the Apartments Hunting soundtrack, which is a whole album she did, soundtrack to an independent Canadian film, and uh, it's only available on CD. I bought that on Discogs, and that just came this week. It's on Spotify, so I've been listening to it, but I wanted to rip it, so I did, and it's great, and I recommend it. Okay, other new records this week. Tim Burgess uh, of the Charlatans UK fame and more recently from Tim's Twitter listening party. He's been doing Twitter listener parties with bands for a bunch of albums. He has a new solo album and it's called I Love the New Sky. And uh, it's pretty good. There's some songs on there I liked a lot. It's um, it's not really, I don't know, it didn't really like grab me fully, but it's competently made and interesting and worth a listen. Uh, then I listened to a band called Medium Medium that I learned about. Medium Medium was the precursor band to a band I just love. I think I talked about it last week called Sea Cat Trance. I was poking around on Discogs and I realized that they had a band before that called Medium Medium. And they were on Spotify. So I listened to their I Love the New Sky, which is kind of their compilation. And it's good. It's, um, I'm sorry, it's called Hungry So Hungry. I'm reading my notes wrong. And uh, it was good. It's not as good as Sea Cat Trance, but it's pretty cool. Uh, It's illustrative. It makes sense. You can see how Sea Cat Trance arrived at their style of sort of like Middle Eastern influence with slap bass. It's kind of hard to explain. But uh, I enjoyed it. I listened, gave it two listens this week, and it was pretty good. And then uh, my friend Mick uh, told me about this band called The Fleeting Joys that are a shoegaze band, and I listened to two of their albums, Despondent Transponder and Occult Radiance, and they were great. Uh, five, between three and five-year-old shoegaze albums, and super solid, man. Man, there's just so many great shoegaze bands out there these days. It's hard to keep track of them all, but they were really good. And then over the Labor Day weekend, uh, Emma listens to XM Radio, First Wave, the new wave station, all day, every day, and <laughs> which is why Jane just loves things like the Ramones and Talking Heads now, so I don't really mind that much. Uh, but over the Memorial Day weekend, they took all the DJs took off, and they had a bunch of guest DJs. Like They did one-hour sets, all these musicians, and one of them was by the guy from Animotion. And he played the new song. He was like, this is a song we wrote for our daughter. It's called They Can't Touch You. And it was really nice and cool and mellow. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't even know Animotion had a new album. You know, I really like I Engineer. It's a great song. Everybody else likes Obsession. Obsession's good, but I really like I Engineer. Uh, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to go listen to this new Animotion album called Raise Your Expectations. And that one song is great, but the rest of it is like kind of industrial dancey, uh, which isn't terrible, but I was kind of like, man, not really my thing. And then this really weird song about critics, music critics that kind of cracked me up, actually. <laughs> it was pretty strange, strange record. But that one song, They Can't Touch You, it really, it really, it really touched me. Uh, and then I listened to my friend Christine's new band, Vis Innis Electric. She posted a 16-minute 16 16 work on YouTube called Sonic Music, Sonic Music, and I listened to that, and I loved it. That was a good droney noise. Sounds like sort of the kraut-rocky kraut parts of a Brian Jonestown Massacre album, if you ask me. Then I listened to the Fabric 02 mix by Craig Richards. That was something that my friend Colin sent me, and uh, that was a really good house mix. I forget about I forget about Craig Richards. I'm not much of a house mix DJ listening kind of guy these days, but it took me back, and it was pretty solid. Uh, then I listened to the new Airborne Toxic event. It's called Hollywood Park. There's an Airborne Toxic event song called Sometime Around Midnight that I love so much. 
I profoundly love that song. It makes me think of a certain girl that I was madly in love with, and I just can't get enough of it. And one of my favorite things to do in the world is when I get out of a bar in New York at like 1 a.m. on a weeknight when I'm there for work, and I put that song on, and I stagger home, because that's what the song talks about, is staggering home drunk. And you walk under the street lights. Anyway, I just love it so much, and so I'm always giving Airborne Toxic Event uh, a chance. And there were a few good songs on this album, uh, but nothing is good sometime around after midnight so sometime around midnight oh my god i love that song so much but uh it's pretty good it was pretty good i'll give it another listen there's a new steve earl album goes to western virginia that was fantastic it's about coal mining and everything you'd expect from a steve earl album and it was really really good strong recommend there uh jason isbell and the 400 unit reunion pretty solid record good white man self-loathing music if you're into that sort of thing like me I'm pretty into it. Uh, Mick also told me about the band called Sound Carriers. Had a very stereo lab feel to them. The album is called Entro- Entropicalia. That's a good name, Entropicalia. And uh, it's, yeah, it's sort of like Stereo Lab with a little bit of more of the Krautwork side of Stereo Lab. Krautrock's side of Stereo Lab. Pretty into it. Uh, then, uh, my friend Nikki sent me this guy named Jack ladder with an album called blue poles. I don't know anything about this guy. I haven't looked him up or anything yet, but it was awesome. It was very like sort of Scott Walker and it's very interesting. And I've given it like three listens and it's really capturing my attention. Jack ladder blue poles. I strongly recommend it. And then I was re- talking about Tilly and the Wall on my Facebook posts because I used to really love Tilly and the Wall and they were on one of the mixtapes I had posted and I was like, whatever happened to that band? And I looked it up and it turns out that two of the people from Tilly and the Wall have a new band. They're called Icky Blossoms. They're on Saddle Creek. I had no idea Tilly and the Wall had anything to do with Saddle Creek or Bright Eyes because I never researched them back then. I'd just go to their shows and rock out and... Uh, But it turns out they do. They have two albums, a self-titled album and an album called Mask, and they're very, very good, and they're not as completely they're they're more if you're familiar with Tilly and the Wall they're more in the sort of beat control vein of Tilly and the Wall than Night of the Living Dead uh vein of Tilly and the Wall but I really like it it's like melodic it's like dancey it can almost be like a freeze pop kind of thing and they are very good records and then uh my friend Adam Commodore Vic he mentioned American Analog set so I've been listening to a ton of American Analog set I used to love that band so much and I go see them every time they have these new bootleg series out and those are really great I listened to those and then I listened to like all the old albums and then they had an album I, I missed called Set Free I didn't even know about it so I listened to that one as well and then just this morning Jane and I I listened to the new Run the Jewels album and danced to the whole album. That was a good workout, RTJ4. Uh, as with all hip hop albums, first listen, I try and catch as many of the words as I can, but really I'm listening to the beats and the production, which is great and fantastic and sounds awesome. No surprise LP, uh, but it's going to need some more listens to really get most of the words and understand it. I, the first song or two, I caught a lot and then we were dancing too much, so I didn't really hear the rest, but I'm into that. TV, didn't watch much TV. We did watch uh, the entire season of Space Force, the new Steve Carell show. (laughs) I'm a little bit bitter because I have a song called Space Force on the Defective Frequency album, and it's just so great. Nobody cares. But uh, it was wildly uneven and in pacing and plot, and it was all over the place. (laughs) Pacing plot all over the place. But that being said, there were some jokes that were just the funniest shit I've heard in ages. And I laughed like really hard a couple times when I desperately needed it in my life. And so I will always be thankful for it. There's one joke about the Postal Service that's just jaw dropping. And another one about a dog in the Chinese. No, I'm sorry, a monkey in the Chinese. That's just amazing. It's just it had some moments. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, it was all over the place. 
confusing. Uh, and then, you know, we're watching what we do in the shadows, but we're only watching like one a week because we don't want it to end and we're just sort of going slow with it. But I am very much enjoying the new season of what we do in the shadows as well. But other than that, it's really just Civ live streams all day, not all day, but all morning and in the evening. And uh, yeah, Jane's now really into him and learning civilization. So I guess that's a good thing. Movies. I only watched two movies. I watched Zathura Space Adventure, which I didn't even know about. It's apparently a Jumanji-related film. It was directed by, what's his name? Oh my god, what's his name? Uh, he plays Happy Hogan in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he makes the Mandalorian, and he's secretly an ultra-powerful dude in Hollywood, but he always plays schlubs in his movies. That guy. And it has a young Kristen Stewart and a young uh, Josh Hutcherson, most famously known as Peter Malark, but he was also in that wonderful show that Emma and I watched that love Future Man. Uh, real weird movie, man. I was pretty drunk, but uh, it was entertaining and strange, and it's a kid's movie. It's sci-fi. I don't know why I didn't know about it. Uh, Ali at work taught me about, told me about it, and... Uh, I enjoyed it. And then last night we watched the documentary about Biosphere 2, Spaceship Earth, which was fantastic. I've read a book or two about Biosphere 2, but there was still stuff in this documentary I didn't know. John Allen and that whole gang, they seem like a cult, but they also seem really awesome, and it kind of inspired me in a way. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and then I finished uh, Corporations of People 2, and they should act like it by Kent Greenfield, finally. A long book, but uh, important topic about corporations and free speech, and uh, I get his argument, and I'm into it now, and I'm glad to have read it. Needed a break after that, so now I'm reading The Fifth Season by N.K. Jameson. Jameson? Yeah, somebody posted a list of black authors, and they're like, read all these books if you know you want to read more black authors. And I'd read about half the list, but then they're like, if you have like sci-fi, read The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemsen. I was like, well, I like sci-fi, so I'm going to read that. And it won the Hugo Prize, and so did the two sequels. It's the only person to have won the Hugo Prize three, ro three times in a row for novels in the same series. And so I went to buy it, and I had already bought it three years ago. Somebody recommended it to me. I think it might have been my friend Jenna. I can't remember who. But whoever recommended it to me, thank you. I finally started it. I'm completely absorbed in it. I'll probably be reading all three of these in rapid succession. So I'm very excited about that. And then I'm going to read this book I read, I bought about police reform <laughs> because, you know, politics. And then we can talk about it when we get to that. I think that's about it. Uh, diet is, you know, I've eaten everything bad in the house, so I'm, I'm starting to lose weight again. That's good. It's all gone and I'm not buying any more bad stuff. Really worried about my cholesterol. I need to get a test there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really about it. I'm not doing many other projects, just the archiving stuff, just trying to get by, just trying to live. Politics has taken up a lot of my time, finding causes to donate to, reading articles, educating myself. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I don't really have any other projects going on. Maybe I need another project besides all this archiving stuff. Now the archiving is taking a lot of time. I got a lot of archiving to do. I still feel really behind. I need to do the four tracks. I need to do the rest of the CDs. I need to get all these family photos organized. Then I found uh, 10 DVDs of stuff that's ripped videos that my friend John Whitney gave me years ago. And I'm pretty sure I have most of it in the server, but I need to double check those. I got enough stuff to do, man. I'll just be archiving. I still thinking about a second album, but nothing's really clicked. Oh, that's not true. Actually. I, I have an idea for, I wouldn't call it a second defective frequency album, but I call it like an experimental side project. Uh, still working on it, though. I have actually been working on that a fair amount, but I don't think we're ready to talk about that yet. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. So 
So that's about it. Thank you for letting me start talking about politics. Go to a protest if you can. Make some donations. If you send them to me, I'll match them. If you need somebody to donate to, let me know. I'll hit you up. And uh, I'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. I hope you're doing all right. I hope quarantine is, uh, you're still doing okay. I mean, it's a tough time. Stay in, don't stay in, go out. Who the fuck knows anymore, right? Take care.